HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Hello, food and beverage radio listeners. This is David Tattashore, the lead engineer and studio manager of the Heritage Radio Network. And today it's my pleasure to introduce this very special episode of The Speakeasy. So just last week, hosts Damon Bolte and Souther Teague went down to New Orleans for the annual Tales of the Cocktail, which is the world's premier cocktail festival. And we gave Souther a field recorder to capture all of this on tape, and he did not disappoint. Like any good story, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. In the first part, you'll hear Souther getting a sense of everybody's expectations for this year's tales. Then we're going to drop you right in the middle of things, all the action going on in New Orleans. And finally, Souther catches up with people in the aftermath as the dust is settling to see how their week went at Tales and see what their favorite moments were and what they're looking forward to next year. Again, it is my pleasure to bring to you this special episode of The Speakeasy, Dispatches from Tales of the Cocktail 2017. Enjoy. So here I am in uh, New Orleans at Tales of the Cocktail. Uh, just landed, got off the plane, had dinner at Pesh with my dear friend Danny Neff, who works for Diageo. Uh, Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again. 
Hey, it's always a pleasure to see you uh, both in New York City and here in New Orleans. Um, tell me, what are you excited most about uh, at this year's Tales of the Cocktail 2017? You know, I got to be honest, and I'm not trying to be biased about it. I'm really looking forward to seeing Snoop Dogg. I've never seen him before, and I'm really happy that he's going to be playing the Diageo house party. What? Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg, that's amazing. Uh, what is it that you love about Tales in general, though, year after year? One of my biggest things that I've always loved about this industry in general is is the networking and the family aspect that we put together. You know, we go around and we get to see people that we haven't seen for years or that we haven't seen in each other's markets in forever. So to be able to, all of us, be able to link up in New Orleans, I always find to be incredible. Yeah, it's like a family reunion. That's how I feel about it every year. I get to come down here and see all my friends from all over the country and network. And also, I used to live here, so I get to see some old friends, too. Uh, what is it that, uh, that, that, that's driving your, your, your trip this time? It's, it's, it's a new position for you, so it's new stuff. It's a new position, yeah, and I'm really excited to be on board with this team. I've been here with it for about four months now, and it's changing every day, so it's a, it's a really good challenge. But one of the biggest things that I never wanted to let go of and the things that we're really trying to push for is putting together the community, is really just focusing on relationships and understanding that, at the end of the day, everyone needs to make money, and we also need to be a family. So that's one of the biggest things I've been trying to do. I love it. And, you know, as long as I've known you, I think that's been your impetus. It's all about driving a business that's still, uh, you know, a community and a family, and, and then we all get, get along and get to do great things. I'm super happy to see you down here at Tales of the Cocktail. Got anything else to say? No, just that I love you. And thanks for having me, truly. Dude, always. It's my pleasure. Love you, too. All right, Tales of the Cocktail 2017. We're standing right outside of Barrel Proof uh, in the Central Business District. I'm with Leslie Ross from Houston, Texas. Houston. Uh, yeah, Leslie, how are you? I am doing incredibly well. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking. Very, very excited to be here this year for Tales and really looking forward to uh, everything we have in store this week. Yeah, what's, uh, what, what drives you to come to Tales of the Cocktail every year? You told me earlier that you, this is your eighth in a row, is that right? This is, this is my eighth year coming in a row. This is my fifth year staying for the full week, which is uh, every year kind of like practiced leading up to it. You kind of have to, you know, stretch and, and get ready for the marathon and not the sprint that is Tales of the Cocktail. Um, I come definitely for not only to see people that I don't normally get to see on the regular, uh, but the education and what you take away from what is going on in our industry is is this is this is where you go to really put your fingers on the pulse of what's coming up you know what's been tried and true and you know what we have to look forward to and it's just it's a really exciting time it's a good way to reset and kind of refocus your energies or maybe even uh, plans that you may have um, you know moving forward in our industry and so uh, I really look forward to this every year. God, that's so well said. I'm happy to have you on the air. Um, what is it you're doing these days? You're down in Houston. I'm, I'm fucking with her, of course. She lives in Houston, Texas. Uh, you're down in Houston, uh, and you're what? Yeah, what are you doing? I am. I am currently at uh, Reserve 101. It is the Texas oldest and largest whiskey bar. We are coming up on our 10-year anniversary in January. Um, we have over 375 different whiskeys on our back bar at any given point in time. It is a really, really um, well or curated collection of brown party liquor uh, that my boss uh, Mike Raymond has put together over the past few years, and it's a it's a a true love letter to all the things that that are whiskey, and it's it it's it's been an absolute pleasure to go to a place like this and really get to focus on something I'm very passionate about, and get I get to get as excited as my guests get when I talk about it or or you know sell it or show it like I get excited and they get excited and it's 
it's kind of nice to be in a place where that is something that is definitely, you know, they're happy about me doing it, nerding out and being able to geek out about certain things. And this has been this has been an absolute pleasure. I cannot tell you how exciting it is. How long have you been with them? Uh, I've been there seven months now, and it. I started last November, and it was one of those things that it was definitely a change for me, coming from more cocktail-driven uh, background to, I call it my PhD, I'm focusing on being in the whiskey business, and I can't think of a better place to go than some place that focuses on whiskey. I love it. You know, my bar, of course, is super focused as well, all Amaro, like, you know, it's, it's a really different thing for the consumer as well as me, right? Like, you, I'm sure, feel the same way. Uh, teaching is learning. So every time someone comes in and asks me another question, that's another thing for me to, to reiterate, to, to, to tell them, but to reiterate to myself. That's amazing. What's the name of the place again? Uh, it's called Reserve 101. And, and, and where is it? It is on Caroline and Dallas between the Four Seasons and the House of Blues, downtown Houston. Houston. So, Houston. <laughs> <laughs> it's my mission to make everyone <laughs> correctly pronounce Houston. Uh, well, it's so good to be out here in New Orleans with you at Tw- Tales of Cocktail 2017. Absolutely. Thank you for... Just getting started. Yeah, yeah, thanks for taking two minutes to talk to me uh, outside uh, at our, our uh, private high-top table. <laughs> uh, right outside of Barrel Proof. Thank you so much, Leslie. Perfect. See you later. All right, I'm here on the streets of New, uh, New Orleans with uh, my good friend Brian Nixon from Washington, D.C. We're at Tales of the Cocktail 2017. Welcome to the show, Brian. Woohoo! Yeah! Glad to be here. <laughs> Happy to have you, man. Listen, I heard this is your first Tales of the Cocktail. Tell me what uh, you're expecting to get out of this experience. I am uh, super stoked about being here. Uh, like you said, this is my first Tales of the Cocktail. I'm really looking forward to a lot of uh, the seminars, the ones I've got signed up for, I'm really excited about, as well as just really meeting a lot of people from around the world, like just around the country. I've already met people from Dublin. I've met people from like LA. I've met people from... Atlanta. I mean, it's just been really cool so far already. So, yeah. And we've only been here, you've only been here for a few hours, right? Uh, I got in here last night. So, yeah, I got here yesterday. So, I mean, I've been here for less than a day. And it's still just absolutely amazing how easy and fun it is. And the things I've tasted and the things that we've been doing so far have been just really cool. Outstanding. And so you're in D.C. You've got two bars under your belt. What are, what are you doing there? What are the names of those bars? Uh, I have McClellan's Retreat, which has been open for about two and a half years. It'll be open three years in November in DuPont Circle. And we just opened up Truxton Inn in Bloomingdale, which has been open for two and a half months, which is uh, also really, really fun. Like, it's, yeah. So you got a brand new bar and a bar that's uh, kind of established. What's uh, What are the bars about? What's the ethos of each one? Uh, both of them are just really good neighborhood bars that we just like to have good cocktails. We just want to be able to service the neighborhood, like let them have something that they haven't had. Like all I've ever really wanted to do is have a bar where I would want to go out and hang out. Like I want to have everything that somebody wants to have. Like I want to come in and have a beer and a shot. Awesome. I want to come in and have a, have a really nice cocktail. Great. If I want to have a, a glass of, you know, V&A, fantastic. This is, this is something that I feel is kind of underserved in a lot of places because the neighborhood bar per se, I feel as we've gotten away from it to being these niche bars where you have cocktail bars and wine bars and, you know, these other things that aren't necessarily something you can provide for everybody at one point. Sure. Bars for the everyman in yeah, D.C. Exactly. Uh, and this, again, is your first Tales of the Cocktail. Uh, you're excited to be here and we're totally excited to have you here. Uh, thanks for being on the show, Brian. Good to have you. Thank you so much, Southern. I'm glad to be here. Like, yeah. Cheers, buddy. All right, I'm right outside of Arno's French 75 uh, for Tales of the Cocktail 2017. I'm hanging out with Rhea Solar. She is all things chartreuse. Welcome to the show, Rhea. 
Thank you so much. Glad to be here on the street with you. Yeah, so happy to see you. Um, what is it that you expect to get out of every Tales of the Cocktail? I'm sure you're not a newbie. You've been to a bunch of them, yeah? This is my eighth Tales of the Cocktail, to be frank. And uh, the first time I was here, I had no idea what to expect. I just wanted to do a good job and not fuck up. Now my eighth one, I realized that it's so much about seeing friends from all over the world and, and deepening our connections within the hospitality industry. It's, it, for me, really, really about learning from my 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 mm, what's the word I'm co-patriots I uh, sure that, that that makes sense I mean your your family members I think yeah. uh, what I'm hearing over and over again uh, you know both from our normal show episodes and and from this uh, junket here in in New Orleans is that it's all about building relationships and community uh, so you're here to do that as usual yeah yeah, build and also reinforce. You know, we get to see one another maybe once a year, and it's so good to see how people have grown in their careers and be able to congratulate them and, and, and maybe forge relationships that you guys can grow together. You know, I definitely have come here from year to year and, and been able to, to build things with people that I might have seen from the year before into something new for the next year. So, Sounds fantastic. Anything you're looking forward to, especially this year at Tales of the Cocktail? Um, mostly just beignets. Also strip clubs. What? Uh, where do you go to get beignets? Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me something else. Uh, Cafe du Monde. For, but, but I, you know, I just want to go and, like, plow my face into some fried chicken and coops. And uh, unfortunately, this year I can't hug because I got some busted ribs. But, but mostly it's just about hugging, hugging the friends. Right. Heard about that. You cracked a few ribs. Uh, roller skating? Yeah. It was... It was a roller skating incident. We don't have to talk about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing your thoughts uh, at Tales of Cocktail 2017 on the streets of New Orleans, right out front of Arno's French 75. Really glad to have you on the air, Rhea Solar from Chartreuse. Thanks for coming. I am so pleased to see you, sir, and I hope to see you for many years to come. It's going to happen. Cheers. All right, so I'm inside of Arnaud's French 75 uh, with the venerable Chris Hanna. Chris, you live in New Orleans. You're the first person I've interviewed who is here all the time, every Tales of the Cocktail. You've, have you attended every Tales of the Cocktail? This is 2017. Uh, almost. Almost every one. I've uh, missed two. I didn't get here in time for the, uh, the first one and two in uh, 2002. It started in 2002. Yeah, and... So and Sure. And what does Tales of the Cocktail mean for you as a local bartender at a bar of Providence? Like, what, what does that mean for you? Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing, man. Each year I wonder, you know, like randomly, like whether or not it's going to be as impressive and heavily, um, you know, attended as much as the uh, previous years. And, and thankfully everybody's like still in love with uh, New Orleans and, and all the, you know, the really good you know, um, reunions is pretty much what it is. It's like, it's, it's beautiful, man. It's like so many people and like more countries get involved each year. It's just really, really nice to meet everybody. So, uh, as a, as a local, you know, I'm really, you know, obviously we're, you know, in a very hospital, hospitable city and we're, you know, treating the, the, the people who do our jobs in other cities. So it's, you know, it's fantastic to have everybody that we admire and love and respect from all their, you know, their respective, you know, bartending positions all around, you know, the country and the world, obviously. That's fantastic. I feel like, uh, you know, I was a former New Orleanian. I lived here for three years, but I was here as a chef. I, I never really experienced the drinking culture of New Orleans uh, from the side of the bar that we're now on. Um, and what you just said is a common theme that I've seen. Uh, it's kind of a reunion. It's family, and it's certainly a reunion for me. I come home to see to see new friends like you, and I also come home to see friends that I had when I was in that side of the business. Right. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? 
Uh, the reunion part? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, you know, I worked a beat beater party today, and I got to say, the uh, the guest list on that one has, like, had, you know, people that actually um, were with me when this actually turned into Tales. If you want me to, like, like a short little segue, Tales is what it is now, started in 2007 and 2008. And the people who were in the beat beater party today have been coming to my bar for over 11 years now because of that. And so it's fantastic. I mean, Robert Hess, Audrey Saunders was there. You know, Tony Abu Ghanem. I mean, it was just really Sergio uh, Serena, you know, uh, Jacques Bienzenut, don't know how to say his name. But all <laughs> yeah, these guys are titans. I know, yeah. I mean, it's, it, was, it was amazing. So, yeah, the whole reunion part is like, you know, it's fantastic. And you, you get, like, people, like, crashing at your house, people needing this and that, and they know that I'm here. And it's just really, you know, it's just good to see everybody still coming back here. Yeah, of course. And uh, I assume that you get the opposite, right? You get to... You have to work Tales of the Cocktail at your bar and maintain your standards, but then you take trips to other cities when Tales of the Cocktail is not going on. You get hosted. You get treated, as you said. Yeah, you know, I've, uh, over the last uh, six or seven years, uh, people have actually treated me. Um, you know, I, I go and I go to Newark, and they're like, hey, we want you to go out with us. We want to buy you these drinks because you never. we go to your town, and you're always working. And we want to make sure we want you to have fun because you never get to have that much fun. Uh, and, it's, you know, and it's true, but I mean, it's really cool to see everybody. The hours are, are really painful. And, you know, it's like it, it, uh, it just really like, mo- like months before, before Tales starts, I just I, I dread it, man. I mean, it's, it's painful, but it's so weird because it's so much love, dude. I mean, I love so many people who walk in the door. And I'm getting my, my ass kicked if I'm not allowed to say that on the... Of course. I mean, seriously, man, it's, it's really rough. So, so it, Tales of the Cocktail for you is a little bit pleasure, pain. Yeah, man. You know, I, I, hope I, I hope I contribute to that in some way. I try and come here every single time. My, one of my greatest resets for the city of New Orleans is to come and sit at your bar and have... Uh, I, I typically order a Sazerac, and I drink that while I'm waiting for my pomme souffle, and then I get a French 75 to, to eat with that sort of fatty, rich thing. Like, that's my reset clock for, for Tales of Cocktail for New Orleans, for my life, frankly. That's, uh, that's beautiful decadence. Actually, yeah, you're right. I mean, you even came like, to one of those imbibe parties where they, where they wanted to have 500 people come to the French 75 bar. And, and you know, I mean, nobody, you can't fit 500 people in the French 75 bar. That's the only time we've ever had a line that crossed Bourbon Street down Bienville. It's amazing to see everybody. I hope everybody's safe. It's, people ask me all the time, do I like Tales? Do I, do I want to leave? Yeah, it's always funny for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to go on vacation for Tales, and they'll send you guys a postcard saying, wish you were here, you know. It's never going to happen. Tales is like, it's, for me, the only thing that might my, my take back is how many friends I've made. The community and family I've, I've received since uh, the 2006, 7, and 8 years has just been phenomenal. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. Thank you so much for your time. Chris Hanna uh, here at Arno's French 75 Bar, where you've been just reigning over the, the scene for years. And I, I love coming here. It's, it's one of my favorite treats uh, at Tales of the Cocktail. Thank you so much. Right on, brother. Good to see you again. Yeah. Cheers. All right, I'm right outside of the old Absinthe House in New Orleans. Uh, it's Tales of the Cocktail 2017. I'm hanging out with my dear friend, Dave Pickerel. Dave, what is it you are here for this year at Tales of the Cocktail? Well, you know, I'm, I'm here representing a number of brands and just getting people to taste them and, and get a, a, a favorable impression. But this is homecoming, too. This is, this is a chance to see people I haven't seen in a year or two or six. And uh, 
um, you know, and just pass out tons of hugs. This is a, this is just a great time for friendship. Yeah, like I feel that way as well. It's a reunion. You know, I lived here for three years, and I get to come back here uh, and visit old friends and, and network with new friends about what we do. Um, what what is it your what, what's your drive this this term at Tales of the Cocktail? Um, well, this year um, I'm sharing the the Whistle Pig Boss Hog, um, which just won Best Whiskey in the World. Hell yes. And uh, which rocks. And I'm also sharing Woodenville, which just got bought by Moet Hennessy. And uh, I'm sharing uh, um, um, Ragged Branch, which just released to the market for the first time. And Jay Rieger and Company whiskeys and, and spirits, which, uh, which are just awesome. I love Ryan Maybe He's, he's a fucking sweetheart. Oh my God. Ryan Maybe And the, the, the team at Jay Rieger is incredible. I, it, I mean, I, I can't tell you. The team at Jay Rieger is a team that the big boys would salivate over, and uh, um, and they've got such great products. You know, the best tomorrow and the best American tomorrow. Oh my God! You know, you know that speaks to my heart. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, gee, many Christmas. You know, the Cafe Amaro is just absolutely glorious. I personally think the Cafe Amaro will eventually be their 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 number one seller. Because um, every time you put it in a bartender's mouth, it's like, well, so much for everything else. That's my shot now. Um, but uh, um, it's all, you know, this is about sharing things, sharing great things with great friends, formulating opinions, and just having a big time. A big time. I love that phrase. You know, it's a, it's a southern phrase. I don't think uh, the, the, the northerners know what a big time is. Uh, so we're down here at Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans, 2017, having a big time. Uh, what is it? Where's the, where's the place you want to go and eat while you're here? You, you have a spot you want to go have a meal? Oh, my goodness. There's so much. You know, every time I walk past the place, I'm going, we need to have lunch there. We need to have dinner here. We, you know, we got to go to Arnaud's. we got to go to Kashan. Um, there's so many places that I just want to go and sit down and just shove crawdads in my face or something else. It's just the food here is just glorious. Yeah, absolute fact. Dave Pickerel, I fucking love hanging out with you every time I see you. You're a rock star in the business. Everybody adores you because you're so charming and, and, and approachable. Uh, uh, you spilled beer on me. Uh, Sorry. That's fine. Uh, you're so charming and approachable. Uh, tell me one more thing that you absolutely love about the city of New Orleans. Oh, God. I mean, it's it's so visceral. You know, every, you, you walk into a place and people are real. You know, it, whether whether you're going to have, you go to the French 75 to have the first, you know, place where they made the French 75, or whether you're you're going to have a Sazerac from somebody, or, it, you know, people are serious about their cocktails, they're serious about their friendships, and, and there's big hugs to go around every place you go. So it's all about serious people and relaxed vibes. Dave Pickerel, known and notable distiller and friend to the family of everything that is uh, our business. Thank you so much for talking to me outside of uh, the old Absinthe House here in New Orleans at Tales of Cocktail 2017. Thanks so much. Oh, it's so awesome to see you. Dude, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm outside of the old Absinthe House, uh, Lafitte's, uh, in uh, New Orleans uh, at Tales of Cocktail 2017. I'm hanging out with my dear friend, Rick Dobbs. Rick Dobbs, uh, how many times have you been to Tales of Cocktail? Uh, I'm actually, I think it's my seventh because I've skipped a few years, but uh, uh, here and there, we, I've done seven since the uh, early days. The early days of Tales of the Cocktail. 
I'm I'm an OG. You're definitely an OG Actually, in a lot of ways. I'm really not sure that qualifies as OG because there's probably people who have been more OG than I. But in today's standards, it's fine. Yeah, you're kind of a fucking interloper and a shitbag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, did, how did you even get into this shit? Because, frankly, you were in the world of tech, uh, and then you sort of jumped ship and came into the world of hospitality. So, really what happened is I was in the world of tech for like 20 years, and then I realized that tech fucking sucked. I had like a, uh, I had a 2 o'clock phone call about my 3 o'clock meeting, which is about my 4 o'clock phone call. And that was super unacceptable in my life. I felt like uh, it was kind of one of those things like, you know, in Fight Club when he's like sitting there, <laughs> he's in the plane crash and the uh, shit's like breaking apart and all that. And he just looks like as calm as a Hindu cow. And uh, it, it, that's where I was at. I was like, this plane could crash into this meeting room right now and nothing would make a difference. So I decided it was that's exactly what the time when I had to get out and do something different. Right, so you decided at that point, as a Hindu cow on a crashing plane, right. that the world was going shit around you, and you needed to make a jump. How did you then, I, I get it, I totally get it, but how did you make the jump from that office job to this career, which is hospitality and dealing with people, like live human beings? Like, how did you make that jump? You could have went to any other business. Yeah, actually... Uh, Human beings are uh, um, not something I'm super great at dealing with, but for the most part, I was like, um, I just had to not be in where I was. And that, and you know, it's like there's these moms who come into our bar who like are seconds away from drowning their kids, and there's these guys who come into a bar who are minutes away from fucking blowing their brains out, and they walk out of the bar in a better place than when they walked in and this is how we make the world a better place this is how we uh, and that's really what I wanted to do I, I, so, was, so, so hospitality is like pulling people back from the edge for you? Absolutely because I was on the edge and I didn't want people to be in the same place that I was and I really wanted to uh, um, you know a lot of people I, I realized I, I wasn't the kind of guy who was kind of come up with something to change the world or even my country, or even my state, or anything like that. But I could change a few people around me, and that that made a big difference to me. I, I think that's, you know, we were joking around. That was hilarious. But I think that's really poignant. I understand what you're talking about. Like, we, we change people's lives on a minute-by-minute basis, and we, we bring them into a place that's better than where they walked into the door. Um, what is it that's drawing you to Tales of the Cocktail this year? What, what, what are you looking forward to or, or looking to get out of this year's Tales of the Cocktail? Tales is always, for me, it's, it's less about like learning about uh, which wooden muddlers are the best, but it's more about like making connections with a bunch of people that I know maybe virtually, um, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, it's, I really want to really put a face to the name, hang out with people, and honestly, you know, if we if we talk about what Facebook is a great example, if you look at Facebook in general, it's like it's a bag of dicks in, in general. But if I sit and have a drink with those people or I uh, spend a few minutes with those people, I'm commit. I become committed to them. I make that connection. I become part of it all. So it's a uh, it's kind of uh, the overall spirit of the thing. Yeah, it's a running theme that I'm having with uh, the people I'm interviewing, that uh, what we do is uh, about connectivity, and, and even larger, it's about creating 
you know, family. It's a tough word for me to swallow, but in this world, but like it's about creating connections that are strong. Uh, and it sounds like you feel the same way, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really easy to say hashtag blessed, hashtag hospitality, hashtag community, hashtag community, but. Um, you know, those are almost words to hide behind. But when it really comes down to it, uh, I've created a, a, a group of friends and um, that, I mean, I like some of these friends I am Facebook friends with. Some of them I like. Some of them I can count on to help me actually move. Like when I have to move furniture, some of them I can help, uh, help me move a body. So all of those things... Um, you know, it's important to identify each person in that way, but at the same time, um, just being on Facebook and being a presence or Twitter or whatever, uh, just being a presence doesn't work for me. So I want to really spend time hanging out with the people that make a difference to me. Right, and those people that make a difference to you are the people who literally come and sit down at your bar or the people who you literally connect with at these sorts of events like Tales of the Cocktail, right? Absolutely. It's uh, the people I connect with uh, what, whatever city I'm in, and um, Tales just kind of brings them, whether it's from Australia or Europe or um, you know Asia or whatever it is. It's like we all kind of know each other. But, I mean, honestly, how many people do we actually know when we see them? Yeah, I've seen your Facebook profile picture, but if I walked past you on Bourbon Street, do I know you? Probably not. So, like, time to make that connection. Time to, like, sit down and have a drink and let me find out about your real life versus the life you put on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, soft truths and hard facts uh, from Rick Dobbs right outside of uh, John Lafitte's Absinthe House in New Orleans at Tales of the Cocktail 2017. Hey, man, thank you for giving me your time uh, on the Speakeasy. I'm really happy to have you. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm right outside of uh, Lafitte's Absinthe House. I'm hanging out with Aaron Polsky, dear friend of mine, former uh, Amoria Margo uh, bitter man. Uh, where are you now? What are you doing? I manage Harvard and Stone, and I work with uh, Seedlip in L.A. Uh, so, all right, so you, you like, crossed the country. You left New York City, you went out to L.A., uh, and you're prospering and doing well. Uh, yes, sir. Um, love L.A. Uh, really fun time. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, like, uh, Harvard and Stone. Harvard's an amazing bar. Uh, you know, I strongly believe it's unlike any bar in the world. Uh, you have craft cocktail, you have music venue, you have awesome neighborhood bar, you have dive bar if you want it. So, uh, it's, it's a bar for the everyman. Indeed. Uh, and truly everyman. Whatever you want, you can get there. So it's amazing. Awesome. Uh, you also deal with a kind of a niche market that's burgeoning in our industry. You're making, uh, well, you're at least representing, you're not making, you're representing uh, a company that makes distilled non-alcoholic, uh, you, well, you're, you're going to describe it better than me, Seedlip. Talk about it. That's right. So Seedlip uh, uh, currently has two expressions. Each is made with uh, six botanicals. Uh, they are made with alcohol, so we're talking each botanical is distilled individually with, uh, macerated with alcohol and water, distilled once, and then distilled again to remove the alcohol. So uh, we're getting the stability of an alcohol distillate uh, with no alcohol. So very cool. Wait, wait, just, just to clarify, you're making non-alcoholic alcohol. Anyway, uh, uh, clear it up for me. Non-alcoholic spirit. So uh, essentially, uh, 
you know, we're, we're using alcohol and we're using this sort of water-soluble and alcohol-soluble uh, components and then distilling them and then removing the booze. So uh, what we have is two distinct spirits. We have Spice and Garden, and we can make for people gimlets and mules and all the things people love. Uh, and, you know, for people who used to drink, all the things people used to remember uh, as cocktails, they can drink without alcohol. Right, well, not just for the folks who don't drink anymore, but for people who do still drink but want to have a lighter night, right? Absolutely. So people who are pregnant, people who are having lunch, people who are having a meter meeting later in the day, any of that. Right. They're looking for that same flavor profile, that same, uh, you know, punch or kick in their palate, but without the, without the, the after effects of alcohol. Right. You know, so booze can get old, soda, coffee, all that gets old. But... Uh, when we empower talented bartenders at restaurants and bars to uh, create something amazing uh, with our spirits, we just open up an, a whole new uh, experience of people who aren't drinking at that time for any moment. That sounds fa- fantastic. I think it's a it's an open market for for something that may be missing in the in the pantheon. Uh, what is so? We're here at Tales of Cocktail 2017. What are you looking forward to the most uh, while you're here this year? Well, I'm working a ton. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Altos party tomorrow. Word has it that uh, we have a luchador in the ring for Harvard and Stone, uh, which should be fun. Uh, Sounds amazing. uh, Yeah, it should be. Um, We're we're all yet to find out what that's about to look like. Uh, Working the Grey Goose Café de Nuit uh, uh, Thursday late night, so technically Friday morning. Working a PCO tasting room and, of course, two C-Lip tasting tables. That's all going to be a ton of fun. And then the Spirited Awards, of course. Uh, Harvard and Stone for the sixth year in a row is a finalist. Fucking crushing it. Thank you. Uh, really, really, really hoping that we win this year for best high-volume cocktail bar in America. Um, other than that, uh, I have been rounding up a group to come to the Tabasco factory on Avery Island on Sunday. Souther, you're invited. Oh, thank you. That's spicy. I'm all about spicy. You know, from what I hear, chilies as far as the eye can see, and uh, your eyes burn as soon as you come in. But uh, really, 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 really excited to do that. This is my ninth Tales. I've always wanted to do it. I really want to go to this. So. Sounds fantastic, man. Thank you, uh, Aaron Polsky, for hanging out with me right outside of uh, uh, Lafitte's Absinthe House here in New Orleans. Uh, Tales of Cocktail 2017. Uh, I totally look forward to going with you out to Avery Allen. Uh, I've been there before. You're right. Your eyes burn every time. Uh, Man, anything you got else to say? That's it. Uh, You know, meet as many people as you can. If you're a first-timer, or if you're not, um, go to the parties. Try to have a lot of fun. This is an amazing, amazing time. And if you're not out here this year, come on next year. It's a great time. Aaron Polsky, love talking to you every time I see you. You're you're an amazing person. Cheers. I'm right outside of the uh, Jean Lafitte's Absinthe House uh, in New Orleans with uh, Haley Forrest. Uh, Tales of the Cocktail 2017. Haley, what is it that you expect to get out of Tales of the Cocktail this year? Part of why I come to Tales is because it brings the whole international family together. I've lived in three major markets around the world, and it's a great chance for me to see everyone that I want to see that I can't see normally because they live so far away. So this year in particular, I'm actually really making sure to take the time to relax and see everyone as opposed to just working my ass off like I normally do. 
Right, so it's almost like a little family reunion or uh, just a, a, a like a, a, a consummate place to... It's all right. We can edit. <laughs> so it's like a family reunion. Um, it's a place to like join up with friends from past and, and potentially future, right? Exactly. It's a really great chance to kind of solidify the networks that you already have and build upon the future. You never know who you're going to meet. They could be, you know, your potential boss, a best friend, or something real in terms of like a personal life connection. Uh, is there anything you're looking forward to specifically at this Tales of the Cocktail 2017? This year, it seems like there's a lot of focus on more of the work-life balance and looking at how this industry in particular can provide other things, not just drinking, not just booze. Like, for instance, you're doing the thing on podcasting. That's a really relatable skill. That is something that you can transfer to other things. So many of us are looking at how can bartending transfer into another industry that still has the passion of what we love, but is a little bit more sustainable because it isn't always the most sustainable industry to be in when you're drinking all the time, you're having late nights. And a lot of us are realizing that and trying to find a way to find a balance. Thanks so much for pitching it back to me. Um, and then we'll go next to say like what is it you've done in Tales of Cocktails past that you'd like to see reiterated again in the future a few years ago god this must have been five six years ago Bee Theater had a spa that they had on Canal Street and you could go and you could have foot massages full body massages head massages back massages and there was a bit of a line but there's also just a general rest area where you could just sit and drink low per like I mean there were beef eater based but they were fairly light it wasn't really heavy and I remember just sitting there for a couple hours and kind of working my way through the massage thing with a group of friends and after we walked out and we're like oh my god I'm alive <laughs> we've, we've made it through tails and that was really fantastic because it wasn't waking up at 9am to have a yoga class which is great but a lot of us can't really do that and it was just a nice relaxing activation I would love to see more of that again Sure, it's, uh, it's brands that are uh, doing activations that uh, involve uh, like wellness as well as like relaxation and mentality. Like I think that's a great thing as well. Uh, I'm super happy to have you outside of uh, the old Absinthe House in New Orleans. Uh, I'd love to see you again anytime. Please come be on the show. Uh, glad to have you, Haley Forrest. Absolute pleasure, Souther, anytime. Love you. Cheers. <laughs> All right, here we are on the streets again of New Orleans, uh, right up front of the Carousel Bar at the Hotel Montalion, kind of ground zero for Tales of the Cocktail. Um, yeah, we're doing a quick street-side interview with my buddy Rick Kunze. Rick and I worked together a decade ago in New York City. Now you live down in Savannah, Georgia. you got your own couple of places. Yeah, but I've got uh, this uh, restaurant bar called Trailer Park, and we also have our second one, Hitch, uh, that just celebrated its one-year anniversary. Fantastic. Trailer Park and Hitch. I dig it. What's the concepts of these two places? You know, it's kind of like uh, quirky takes on southern uh, cuisine. Uh, and then we also do some funky cocktails as well. Very approachable. Uh, for a city that's got a lot of high end and low end, we kind of fall right in the middle into that kind of like, uh, you know, very approachable niche. Yeah, Savannah, honestly, one of my favorite cities, very similar to New Orleans, and it's sort of like architecture and style. This is your first Tales of the Cocktail. What, what are your expectations of 2017's Tales of the Cocktail? You know, I've got, I've actually have very high expectations. You know, I'm bringing a lot of my bar managers in here just to, so they can get a kind of a view out of the fishbowl. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, I just love the scenery and everything. We've got a lot of seminars set up. Um, we're going to a lot of tasting events, and also we're catching up with a lot of old friends, too. Yeah, like you and I. We just happened to run into each other at the carousel bar. Fucking amazing. Really happy to fucking see you. Uh, what seminar are you looking forward to the most? 
You know, I've actually got one all about management technique that I really want my guys to see because, uh, you know, a lot of our guys, they've kind of come up through the system we like to uh, promote from within. So they're learning as they're going. Um, but, you know, learning from the best and hearing from the best, I really think it's going to be a big eye-opener for them. And also just, uh, you know, a little bit of a maturity thing, too. So it'll be nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. So maybe these guys uh, that you promoted from within, which is admirable, they still need to see an outside point of view, right? Oh, exactly. You know, and uh, with so much, uh, such a big well of knowledge around here, I just can't wait for them to tap into that. Sounds great. So, again, outside the Hotel Monteleone with my buddy Rick Kunze from Trailer and Hitch uh, in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, get down there when you can. Love seeing you, Rick. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Great seeing you. Tales of the Cocktail 2017. I'm out on the streets uh, in front of the Hotel Monteleone, kind of ground zero for all the action here uh, at Tales of the Cocktail. I ran into my buddy Sean Kenyon uh, from Colorado. Sean, you took an epic motorcycle ride to get here this year. You want to talk about that for a minute? We did. We did uh, 1,900 miles from New York to, to New Orleans. We did uh, charity events in New York, D.C., Chapel Hill, Chattanooga, and Pensacola. All to benefit No Kid Hungry, right? Yep. All to benefit No Kid Hungry. Our goal is $10,000 right about... We're about $5,000, and the, the venues haven't donated their part yet, so we should be over 10 by the end of Tales, which we're really excited about. Sounds fucking fantastic. Uh, and you're here uh, to promote a brand that you uh, work for, Woody Creek, right? Yep, I've been working with uh, Woody Creek Distillers out of Colorado for um, almost three years now, and it's a, it's a brand that I, I truly believe in. You know, It's one of those things that they do everything so well that I don't have to answer any awkward questions or anything of the sort, and, you know, because... They're basically a they're farm to bottle. They're a single estate brand for their potato, vodka, and gin, and their and their rye. They farm everything themselves. They actually do the farming, and then they and then they distill as well. So they're 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 based out of Colorado, which is which is my home. So I want to help them kind of spread around the United States and and get some recognition. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, buy local. A high tide raises all boats. Because yeah. you have two businesses of your own in Colorado. Yep, I have Williams and Graham and. Uh, Occidental in in Denver, right next to each other. They're kind of like, they're 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 almost they're they're polar opposites of each other. One's a speakeasy style cocktail bar with an entrance behind a library door, and then the other one's like a, a punk rock bar with TVs and video games. But they're almost they're mirror images of um, of the layout and also just polar opposites in the in the in the atmosphere. But the methods behind the bar and the philosophies behind the bar remain in both places. So I, 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 it's, a, it's a great juxtaposition, I'm, and I'm happy to have the layout of both of them. I, one, Williams & Graham opened six years ago, and Occidental opened two, and that, that space came available, and we jumped on it. That's amazing. It's kind of like going through the looking glass. You get to be in this like quiet, speakeasy atmosphere, and then you get to go like punk rock and beers and shots. It sounds amazing. Yeah, and, and Occidental's become an, an industry bar over, over the last couple of years. Like, all the industry in our in our in our area, they come and party at our bar afterwards. And I always wanted to own a bar that took care of our own. And we did at Williams and Graham when we we started. We you know we still do we still do industry meals and things like that for for staff. Like we share our staff meal. If you're in the if you're in the industry, you can come in and just get a plate for free and and have a drink. And we do the same at Occidental, and and hence we become kind of the industry bars around the area. It's unbelievable. It's one of my favorite uh, like little side points about your bar, uh, which I am remiss in having not visited yet. But the family meal thing st- sticks with me in a hard way as a, I'm a former chef and a current bar owner. And I think that's just a genius way to really connect with your 
community, as well as you know the folks that you hope will be visiting your bar. But then you're dealing with industry; they're going to send people to your bar, right. right? If you can connect with them in that way, you're a fucking giant in our business, by the way. And I'm super happy you stopped by to talk to me. Hey, man, I, I appreciate it. You know, I love you, and I'll talk to you anytime. <laughs> Depends on what it's about. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we get private conversation when I shut this thing off. Uh, again, on the streets of New Orleans, uh, Tales of Cocktail 2017, hanging out with my uh, dear friend and colleague Sean Canyon. Thanks so much, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot, Southern. All right, it's uh, Thursday evening slash Friday morning. Uh, I ran into my dear friend Kate Gerwin on the streets. Kate, uh, how are you doing at Tales of Cocktail this year? This is my best tales yet. I'm killing the game. Doing really well. Yeah, how, how so? What, what makes this one your best yet? Because I know you've been to many. I have been to many. Um, I took a different approach this year. Um, I've been doing a lot of local things. I haven't done a lot of events. Uh, I hung out with some friends. We went to some off-the-beaten-track places. I've never done that before. I've always just packed it with seminars. Um, I've actually gotten to see New Orleans. Um, and I've managed to wake up hangover-free. That, well, that is doing it that, differently. That's a huge thing. That's huge. <laughs> that's doing differently. I don't know if you remember this, but I lived in New Orleans for three years, so I'm super stoked to know that you've gotten out of the French Quarter and done some extracurriculars, not just being immersed in Tales of the Cocktail. Also, you were in North Dakota for several years, but you just moved, and you've done a brand new project. Tell me where and what that is. Um, it's amazing. I just opened a public market. Uh, we're in Santa Cruz. We're actually downtown attached to the Museum of Art and History, 17,000 square feet. Two bars, five restaurants, two more to come. Uh, and we also cover the entire four-story museum with our liquor license. Kind of a big, huge, massive venue. I'm exhausted listening to you tell me what it is. How many square miles do you walk a day? Um, I've lost 25 pounds in two and a half weeks without doing a thing, except for working. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty much nothing. So there's that. I agree. <laughs> uh, and so uh, when, when do you have to take off, take off tomorrow, I understand. I do. Um, we opened about 10 days ago. It's new, new staff. I don't feel comfortable leaving everyone on a weekend. It's not the right thing to do. Good managers always uh, take the fall, so, you know, got to go home. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I can't even believe you made it out here uh, for Tales of the Cocktail 2017, but so happy that I ran into you, uh, even to get five minutes with you at Arnaud's French 75. Really awesome. Thanks so much, Kate Kerwin. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Love you. <laughs> I'm here at Arno's French 75. Uh, we slipped away into the back room where it's a little bit quiet. I'm with Kelly Thorne of Empire State South uh, and my dear friend Chris Patino from Simple Serve. Guys, how's your tails going this year? Oh, it's so good. It's fantastic. I don't know. Uh, what's tails? I'm just in New Orleans and like there's a lot of things going on around me. It's true. Right, a lot of friends are here. A lot of people to hang out here. with. Everyone's here. It's, um, it's actually been great. Like, this has been a different year for me. I left Pernod Ricard after 10 years, yeah. um, and so this is my first Tales without that kind of, uh, you know, uh, structure, and, and so starting... That new, sort of visceral connection to the thing. Yeah, and you know, it's like, I've been working harder than I ever have in my life this week, like so many events, but the, re the reward is there, and um, tonight, for example, Kelly Thorne and I dressed up like pirates and did a spirited dinner. You should see these guys right now, they're dressed like pirates. I mean, you should see Kelly right now. I'm just wearing like a French pirate merchant shirt. But um, we went to Compare Le Pen, did a spirited dinner on behalf of the BNIC, um, yes. all about cognac. And it was outstanding. I mean, like sold out dinner. And like people were asking for second cocktails. And I mean, it was kind of like I've done this is probably my ninth or tenth spirited dinner. And this was the best one yet. That's excellent to hear. Kelly, how about you? You having a great time this year? Yeah, it was amazing, and the dinner was a highlight tonight. We got to make people tropical cognac cocktails. We got to dress up in costumes. We got to hold swords to one another. 
Did you cross swords? Well, <laughs> all right, inappropriate, inappropriate. No, I, mean, I, fair, I, yeah, I kept it clean. <laughs> yeah. That's a first. Eric yeah. uh, Castro was the third in our spirited yeah. dinner trio because, as you know, Eric Castro and I started Simple Serve together and um, came out here going, all right, what can we do? What are we capable of? And, and we're, we're involved with uh, the Campari House this year, which has been going on Wednesday through Saturday. Um, <laughs> This is uh, this, the, the BNIC. Uh, we did the Avion party today at Napoleon House where we did tequila Pims variations. It was great. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed that one. I had to, uh, I had to do another interview, a photo interview. Uh, and I was invited to that thing and I really wanted to be there because I got to go down and see Avion with you, which was an amazing experience and I totally appreciate that. Um, tell me a little bit more about Simple Serve while we're here. Well, you know, we're basically, I mean, our whole mantra with Simple Serve was helping brands see things through the eyes of bartenders, right? Um, but blurry, <laughs> right? At certain times of uh, the the day or night, uh, particularly. But you know, we didn't really know exactly what we were doing, but we wanted to do more and better. And so we kind of just have been enjoying this ride. And a lot of brands that we've been working with are great brands, you know. And um, it was a big leap of faith for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is our first kind of like I, I hate to say coming out party, but truly, we are we are a two man operation, like on paper. We, One and three quarters, if I if I remember Eric Castro's stature. Yeah, in fact, he sent me a picture right now. He's he's actually in a bathtub right now. He's he's compressing. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know, elevating icing. We actually had to hire twenty people this week to help us with the all the events that we're running down here in, at Tales of the Cocktail. And for us being only nine months into this, I'm 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 impressed. Like I'm like oh, I think what we're doing is is working. Um, I mean, time will tell, obviously, but you know, it's been a good ride so far, and. Uh, I mean, our industry is great. Like, there's so many friends that, you know, people, they throw out words like bar family and, you know, all the, it's like, it, it, there, there's something there, you know. We look out for each other, and um, I'm just happy to continue kind of going in that direction, even without the backing of, a, of like, a big multinational company. I, think I, I, I fucking love everything that you guys are already doing in, in the short nine months, and I'm stoked to see what comes next. Well, and I think that that speaks to you guys and that there's just like a really genuine and authentic rally around what you're doing. It's true. And it's you're enthusiastic and you're fun and you're supportive of the industry and everyone's getting behind that. I'm excited for you. Thank you. I'm excited to be part of everything you're doing this week, too. Thanks, man. I, I mean, yeah, Kelly, awesome. Kelly is actually, uh, she's going to be working the Campari House with us tomorrow. Um, oh, I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm making some spreads. Actually, there's a shirt that says, I don't sweat, I spritz. You have to wear that, by the way. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't tell her uh, what she'd be wearing. But, uh, you know, she's up. She's, she's willing to roll with the punches. Um, so, yeah, so everyone should come by. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Excellent. You want to plug uh, Empire State South or anything right now, Kelly? Empire State South yeah. in Atlanta, the bar that I run. Yeah. It's a community restaurant open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, actually, we're coming up on seven years this Amazing. year. Seriously, that's amazing for a restaurant, right? Yeah. Like, that surpasses. It's like dog years. What would that be? But we're standing 49. in a restaurant it's that's a over a hundred years. Yeah, well, yeah. have you been to France, where cognac is from? The yeah. restaurants over there are older than America. I want to tell you something about Empire South, though. The most impressive thing. I was just there recently. The most impressive thing is Kelly Thorne. Well, I mean, <laughs> no. And actually, this is not this is not meant to be serious. So thank you for that. Uh, was that every time you order a beer? <laughs> It comes with a koozie, and yeah. I think that is outstanding. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's a fine dining restaurant uh, that, that serves their beer with a koozie. Yeah. Whimsy. We don't, we Whim don't really like to take ourselves too seriously there. What we do, and I think that that's what Empire State South is, it's everything 
is actually really well thought out, really well cared for, every department, every element of Empire State South, but at the end of the day, we want people to feel like they can just come there and be natural, which is why our motto is from Speedo to Tuxedo, whatever dress code you choose, you're allowed to come into our doors and we will serve you and take care of you and treat you like family. And that that's thrown around a lot, but we really hope that people get that genuine sense of hospitality when they step into our doors. Outstanding. Sounds like curated whimsy. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there in a Speedo soon. I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was feeling a little down the other night because I missed a couple of big parties, parties that either A, I was involved with in the past uh, with Pernod or just like to go to like the William Grant party. And um, because we've been working so hard this week, it's like, oh man, shit, like, I, I, you know, we're, we're cleaning up and now it's 10, you know, and yeah. I've been sweating all day and on my feet, I got a shower at least, maybe eat something, that'd be great. Um, so I was kind of feeling down that I missed a couple great parties. I went up to see Chris McMillan at Revel, who just put a peanut butter hamburger on the menu in my honor, which is outstanding because they... That's um, a Yo Mama's yeah, Well, Yo Mama's closed, right. you know, and so they, they, they did a peanut butter hamburger. So I went up there for it, and I walk in the bar, and who do I see? It's Dale DeGroff, Tony Abaganum, Audrey Saunders, Robert Hess, uh, Phil Green. I mean, there's like this all-star cast lining the bar, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, man. This is what Tales is all about. Sit at the bar. We had the best night. I mean, it was out, like, out of this world. Um, and that's kind of what Tales can do. It's like you don't know what you're going to get, and you shouldn't come with an exact plan. There's so much going on. There's so much to see, and there's so many people here that can make a difference in your life or your career that, you know, like, take day, a chance. Yeah. In your day, your right? Day. Because it. you were feeling kind of down, yeah. and you walked in, and they changed your day. Yeah. And I think that it's our opportunity to commune with one another and to learn from one another and experience this city together, which is a great city. Hell yes. All right. So uh, we've got curated whimsy from our <laughs> darling Kelly Thorne. Uh, simple serve, showing, uh, showing businesses uh, uh, the, what they can do through the eyes of a bartender. Really glad to have Chris Patino on the show as well. Guys, thank you so much for taking Thanks. two minutes to talk to me at yeah. Tales of the Cocktail 2017. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers, man. It is very early in the morning on Friday at Tales of the Cocktail 2017. We're outside of Arno's French 75 uh, in, the, uh, in the famed French Quarter. I'm hanging out with my dear, dear friend, Steve Casey from Birmingham, Alabama, one of my favorite towns. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am fucking fantastic, and I'm always super stoked to see you. Uh, you are one of the most charming folks in our entire business. You are known far and wide, even, so. though you're, even though you're from a pretty small uh, you know, B market, I think you're an A-plus uh, player in the game. Um, what's, uh, what's been your highlight so far of Tales of the Cocktail and or what are you looking forward to most as Tales of the Cocktail goes on? Well, I'm very fortunate to have wonderful friends, as you know, and David Allen, who is the Patron brand ambassador, asked me to ride with him from Austin to New Orleans on their train car. So that's how I got to New Orleans on Tuesday. You have the most <laughs> curious life. I love your life. I did not, we didn't prep for this. I didn't expect to hear that at all. That's amazing. So it was really wonderful. Two things that I love a lot are trains and pay phones. And I got to ride on a train, on a Pullman train car. And it was exceptional. That's amazing. Um, what's going on in your life these days? Are you still working with uh, Offsite? I'm doing International Cocktail Karaoke Championship with Offsite and Patron. So we're going to eight cities, two of which we've already been to. You said international. Are you going out of country? We are going to Mexico in October. 
Yep. We're going to Mexico in October. Outstanding. Uh, I got to be a judge of, I guess, one of the sort of beta versions of that mm -hmm. thing, which was amazing. Uh, uh, groups of bartenders, uh, at least a pair, right, get on stage and do karaoke while simultaneously making cocktails. Pretty fucking amazing. It's a really fun event. And it's a cocktail competition, but it's not so serious that you can't have fun. I'm pretty sure it wasn't serious at all, but it was tons and tons of fun. Yeah. And that's why it turned into a bigger thing, right? Pretty amazing. It's super fun, yeah. Uh, and also, you, when you're back home in Birmingham, Alabama, a city I treasure and love, as I used to live there, uh, you're now working at a new, brand, it's a brand new bar, right? It's been open since February. It's called the Atomic Lounge. Faisal, whom you've met, yep. and his wife Rachel run the bar, and I work there every Friday and Saturday. So while I may be traveling extensively, I'm home every Friday and Saturday to work at Atomic. And it's an exceptional bar. It's a cocktail bar of sorts. The steps of service in that bar are crazy because part of the menu is that there are costumes. So it on the menu says, ask about our costumes. And so right uh, uh, here, do, 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 do the bartenders wear the costumes or do no, the guests? The guests. So we have probably 25 costumes and you can pick and choose from a costume and all we do is hold your ID. It doesn't cost any money. And so you can be a hot dog while you enjoy your old fashioned. <laughs> I am a hot dog every time I enjoy an old fashioned. Uh, and speaking of hot dogs, there's a street cart right up the uh, at the corner here. I might go get a hot dog right after this interview. So happy that I ran into you, Steve and Casey. Uh, again, we're on the streets of New Orleans at uh, early hours of Friday of Tales of the Cocktail 2017. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure, of course. You are amazing. Late night Thursday, early Friday morning, hanging out at Arno's French 75. I run into none other than my good friend, uh, Ryan Maybe of Rieger Spirits. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm, uh, with every passing hour, I'm more and more great, which is common in New Orleans and especially at Tales of the Cocktail. Uh, so how are you enjoying Tales so far this year? Uh, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying it probably even more than previous years. Yeah, tell me why that is. Well, it's really the first time that we as a company has actually taken any initiative to like brand ourselves at Tales of the Cocktail. So I've always been down here and I've always worked for other brands, but this is the first time that I've been down here really representing Jay Rieger. And Jay Rieger, of course, you, uh, you have been on my show before talking about your brand. Talk about Jay Rieger real fast. Uh, from Kansas City, founded in 1887, died with Prohibition, and we resurrected a few years ago. So we're, uh, you know, an old brand, but we're new again. And so we're introducing ourselves to the rest of the world. And you're enjoying a, a pretty fair amount of great success, am I right? I think so. I mean, it, it feels really good. You know, we get really good feedback, and um, we've grown pretty fast over the past two and a half years. And, and yeah, it's been well-received. Well so, yeah. And what is it you're doing this year specifically to promote your brand a little harder at Tales of the Cocktail, or for the first time, as you said, at Tales of the Cocktail? Yeah, well, I mean, in past years, you know, I've worked for other brands. I've kind of been, you know, your typical mercenary bartender, you know, working for other brands, bartending events, whatever. But this time it's really been focused on Jay Rieger, and we've given a, a seminar on the history of rectified whiskey in America, which is a subject that I think is, like, really... Uh, it, it's really just unknown. Not a lot of people are aware of American whiskey prior to the Bottle and Bond Act, like back in the 1800s and like what was going on. Uh, yeah, so. Pause just for one second and tell my audience what rectifying spirits is. 
Yeah, well, rectified whiskey is essentially, you know, there's all these different ways of manipulating spirits and, and changing spirits. And, and a lot of the stuff that's happening today um, actually happened 150 years ago, you know, and we're just kind of relearning that. So there's all these brands that we're made aware of now that are uh, doing methods like Whistle Pig, you know, finishing their, their rye whiskey in old world casks like Sauternes and Madeira and, and Jay Rieger. We're adding sherry to our whiskey and blending it together and, and all this sourcing that's going on, all these different things. Um, it's, it, it, it's kind of new to everyone right now, but it's really not. It's something that took place a long time ago. Um, and we're just kind of bringing that back to the forefront. Yeah, everything old is somehow new again. Yeah, Ryan, absolutely. I'm so happy I ran into you uh, here again at Arno's French 75 at Tales of the Cocktail 2017. I'm always pleased to see you, and I'm a huge fan of your work. Uh, guys, if you do yourself a favor, go out and get some Rieger whiskey. It'll change your life. Ryan, thanks so much for being with me. Cheers, buddy. My pleasure. Thank you. Here we are again, early Saturday morning uh, at Tales of the Cocktail 2017. I'm on the streets in front of One-Eyed Jacks with my dear friend, Nick Larisse. She's in town from Madrid, Spain. Uh, welcome to Tales of the Cocktail 2017. Hi, Souther. It's great to see you. Oh, my gosh. I'm always uh, happy, happy, happy to see you. Um, you're working with Edrington. You were working with Edrington before you left me in New York City, and now you live over there still with them. How are things going? What are you doing? Things are great. So I moved to uh, Madrid, Spain about nine months ago now, and I uh, just moved into a new role representing the Macallan as well as Edrington Maltz, covering Central and Southern Europe. That's outstanding, and you're having a great time doing that. I know you're a huge fan of whiskey. Of course. I, as you know, I've always been a huge fan of whiskey, and I'm happy to represent our portfolio and to continue to learn and teach others about uh, the beauty of Scotch whiskey as well as uh, our products. Yeah, and I also think it's really great to have a, like a strong female personality in that whiskey role. I think that role uh, kind of gets uh, predetermined to be masculine all the time, but I love knowing that you're doing that and you're such an amazing woman. Thank you, Souther. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it. Um, how's your tales been so far? Anything that was uh, worth mentioning? Anything upcoming that you're looking forward to? Oh, my gosh. Tales has been absolutely fantastic this year. Um, as you know, I'm quite a bit of a nerd, and so I spend a lot of time in all of the seminars. I have been attending a number of the educational seminars, and every single year I find that the education just keeps getting better and better. And uh, this year, the range of seminars and how specific they're getting has increased tenfold. Um, I have attended, though, a variety of seminars that have ranged from um, sexual assault prevention yeah. in not just the workplace. Hot, hot topic right now. Very hot topic and also just... I think a very important life topic in general and uh, not just in the workplace but in life in general and that we continue to have that conversation and um, day to day and not be afraid to do that and so I was really really pleased to attend the Green Dot program that was given here. Uh, I felt it incredibly valuable and I took a lot of lessons going forward with that to start that conversation. Um, I also have of course been attending a lot of whiskey seminars and I'm so proud to be a part of that community. Did you get to go to MMA 3 this year? I went to MMA 3. It was awesome today. Um, there, were, there was a lot of Scottish banter happening first thing um, early yesterday morning and um, a lot of beautiful whiskeys being enjoyed and a lot of good fun humor and and uh, so amongst all of the, the, um, 
some of the nerdier education, it's also good to remember that we like to have a lot of fun in the whiskey industry, especially, but in our industry as a whole, and uh, and uh, that we can that that we can make fun of one another and um, have a great sense of humor about it and enjoy each other's company. And uh, you saw that there was just a beautiful respect. Uh, and uh, for the entire whiskey community and uh, a lot of love and admiration in the room. I really admired all of the people who are up on that stage today. Yeah, it sounds like it was great. I'm sad I had to miss it. Uh, well, out here on the streets of New Orleans with Nicola Risk, petite in stature, a giant in reputation. Love seeing you here at Tales of Cocktail 2017. Uh, hope to see you again soon. Cheers, doll. Thank you, Souther. Tales of the Cocktail 2017 coming to an end for me. I'm here at the airport, Louis Armstrong Airport in New Orleans, uh, and I'm bumping into people here as I've got a delayed flight. So we're going to get in a few more interviews. I ran into Josh Young. Uh, Josh, this was your first ever Tales of the Cocktail. How'd it go for you? It was, first of all, it was overwhelming, but it was great at the same time. I, I went to a bunch of seminars. I went to a bunch of tasting events. I went to a bunch of parties, a bunch of bars. I met a ton of people, enthusiasts like me, professionals. It was really an overwhelming experience in the best possible way. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, I, I kind of remember my first tales being similar. Uh, any seminars you went to that you want to highlight or talk about? What, what, was the, what was the cream of the crop this year for you? I went to a bunch. Um, there's probably three that I love the most. Um, I think that maybe the winner, uh, well, I don't know. There's a bunch of good ones. You, by the way, the podcasting one was good. Your, yours. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. No, no, no. So I mean that. Like, I went to a few. And the ones I tended to like were the ones that were substantive. I feel like if I'm going to go in the middle of a mat, maybe the world's biggest party, if I'm going to go learn some stuff, I want to learn some stuff. And so the ones that were substantive were great. I also love the set talks. Uh, I don't know who gets the credit. I'm sure everybody, Chris Louder and the, and the uh, uh, individuals there, but they packed a lot of substance into those short talks. Yeah, yeah, and that, that whole series was uh, generated by our, our friend Philip Duff. Uh, so what exactly were you here for as, a, as an enthusiast, your first Tales of the Cocktail? What were you doing? I know you were selling something. Well, Souther, as you may know, uh, we <laughs> launched an app called Batch. Uh, for this tales, uh, it's basically it's a new way for industry professionals to get connected and stay connected to their industry. So it is an education app. It is a communication app. It looks like a messaging app, but it works like a seminar. It works like a conference. And uh, you know we already got hundreds of people on the app. People are signing up. Everyone gets a personal welcome, which you and I do uh, with our own. That's favorite. right, because because I'm uh, we launched this app together. Full disclosure. <laughs> And, uh, and it's feeling good. It feels like uh, Tails, there couldn't have been a better place to do that. Just the amount of energy here and the camaraderie and the, the, just the dense connections I see between professionals is really just special to see. Just to see it is really cool. Yeah. You think you're going to come back next year? I don't know. I, you know, it's funny. Going into this, uh, we, we were talking to people who were like, oh, man, I'm taking a year off Tails. Or like somebody was like, I might take like a three-year hiatus. hiatus from Tails. And I, it was confusing to me. Why would you need to do that? Having, having experienced Tails for five days, I kind of get why you might want to take a year off. That said, I don't know. It, it, seems, hard to, it, seems, hard, it seems hard to figure out why you really wouldn't want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I try and come every single year, even if I can only get down for one day. Uh, there's always stuff to be learned and people to be seen. Uh, thanks for chatting with me on, uh, on the podcast today, buddy. Uh, and I uh, look forward to seeing you back in New York City. Cheers. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm at the airport, running into lots of people who are at the airport as well, headed back to wherever they came here from. Uh, I see my buddy Alan Katz from New York City of NYDC. Alan, how are you, buddy? Great. How was your tales this year? It was a terrific week. I had a good time, most importantly, but... Uh 
met up with a lot of people I haven't seen in a while. Uh, was able to participate in a couple of seminars as a presenter and, and most of all, catch up with people and, and get a micro state of, of our business and perhaps a little bit of a, a snapshot of the industry at large in the U.S. Yeah, I love that. You're, you're, you're kind of known as an educator already. Your past uh, uh, gig in New York was as the education director for Southern Wine and Spirits. Is that the correct title? That's it. Yeah, and, uh, and now you have NYDC, New York Distilling Company. You make Dorothy Parker gin. You've got a, ro- a rock and rye that's out that's amazing. And, of course, the shanty, right? That's true. And ragtime rye, which is really coming out uh, these next few weeks. Amazing. Did you, did you get to bring any down here to sample people on? I brought 100 bottles down, and I'm coming back with about four ounces left just so I can nurse myself into nap mode on the flight home. <laughs> Sounds like a, a seasoned tales veteran who knows how to take care of himself. Uh, tell me about one of your, your favorite seminars that you either went to this year or that you actually got to do this year. Well, I was able to present in a seminar this morning about the history of specific medicinal aspects in either the production or marketing of distilled spirits. And we really went back a few centuries, uh, which was very interesting to me personally. And, and by the response, I think the audience found it interesting as well was able to discuss not only the creation of our rock and rye, Mr. Katz's rock and rye, but also the history, why perhaps it came about, not just as a marketable product, but that the whiskey of the early 19th century may or may not have been palatable, uh, but it still had to be sold and marketed. It was made by someone who wanted to make money off of it. And one, they wanted a reasonable way to make it acceptable to consumers, and this is primarily bartenders making rock and rye at that time, uh, but they also found that they could market it for, uh, if not a cure-all, something that would make you feel good when you had a sore throat or a stomach ache or lumbago or gout or any number of reasonable and typical illnesses that afflicted people of that certain era. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty easy blanket statement to say, oh, whiskey makes me feel better, no matter what's ailing me. Well, there were a lot of spirits that Uh, contained herbs that had otherwise for centuries, going back to spirits made by monks and other religious orders that were uh, either perceived or proven to aid specific ailments. And in many cases, those were used in distilled spirits like gin, uh, which was also thought to have medicinal purposes, or things that were ultimately sweetened with sugar or some that marketed directly with glycerin in capital letters, larger font, Uh, because people said, oh, that will soothe my throat or make my lungs feel better or maybe uh, alleviate that pain in my spleen. (laughs) And it it does sound funny in this day and age, but I think there was uh, not only some salesmanship to it, but some authentic thought uh, that it was part of a a positive and uh, reactive response to medical need. Yeah, uh, I, I can totally get on board with all that. You know, I, deal, I delve in the world of bitters, which is exactly. certainly considered to be medicine when it started as well. Alan Katz, really glad I ran into you at the airport. I uh, hope our delay isn't that long getting back to New York City. Uh, thanks for chatting with me on the speakeasy, buddy. Thanks, Thanks. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. I'm here at uh, the Louis Armstrong International Airport on my last day at Tales of the Cocktail 2017. I happen to run into some other delayed flyers. I got Francis Schott here from New Brunswick, New Jersey, as well as Eamon Rocky, uh, maker of many milk punches. Guys, uh, how are you doing today? I uh, couldn't be better except for the flight delays. Yeah. Uh, Francis, what, what is it you do down there in New Brunswick? I know you always refer to yourself as a bee market. What's, what's that all about? Uh, well, I think New Brunswick is a great city, but it, I, I always think of A markets as um, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and um, 
I'm pretty proud to be in our little city. And, and when, whenever I'm invited to speak on panels or do public speaking, uh, I, they always ask. I have I have three I have two restaurants: Stage Left Steak, uh, which is 25 years old; Catherine Lombardi, which is 12 years old. We were the first contemporary cocktail program in New Jersey. Yeah, you're you're a fucking legend, Frank. Oh, thank you. Uh, I hope I'm not a tragedy. I hope it's more of a comedy. And I also we just launched, by the way, uh, StageLeftWineShop.com. We shipped to like 20 states, and it's our we take our 800-bottle wine selection from the restaurant, and we make about 75 of them available online, and it's pretty awesome. That's fucking unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, we're also sitting here at the bar at the airport with Eamon Rocky. Eamon, what are you up to these days? You've been well, on the show before about your milk bunches, but it's, uh, you just whispered in my ear there's something coming with that, too. I did, I did. Uh, hopefully, in the next two months, uh, you will start finding bottles of Rocky's Milk Punch on spirits shelves, both bars and liquor stores. Uh, in New York, especially uh, branching out in New Jersey, New Brunswick, I hope will uh, will be. A, I'll be carrying them. Yeah, um, as well as California and Florida over over the uh, course of the next few months. So, uh, Rocky's Milk Punch, see uh, see it on your shelf soon. Awesome, man. Uh, so, doing a little tag team interview with the two of you. So, I'm going to give you the opposite sides of the same question. Francis, what was your what was your best experience at this year's Tales of Cocktail? I think this year was one of the best years overall. I mean, I was on a panel or two and I attended a lot of stuff. And while it was full, I mean, the, the classes were sold out, the parties were full, um, the, there were a lot of people in town. It was very civilized, everything was very informative, and I think in, in some years in the past, maybe things got a little out of hand, and I was very proud to be a member of this industry down here in New Orleans this time. I didn't see anybody out of hand, I didn't see anybody like rip-roaring drunk, it was very professional, and uh, it was fun. And I, I think it's one of the best tales that, that in, in regards to that stuff, it's some of the best tales I've ever been to. And I've been to 10 of them. Yeah, I 100% agree. I've been to uh, nine out of, uh, uh, sorry, eight out of the last nine. And I, I kind of agree. I didn't really see anybody go, uh, go too loose this time around. Uh, you Everybody know, has a good time, but no one was too loose. I skipped last year, and I, and I had come to so many before that, and, I, and I, 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 I will not miss it again. I really won't. And, and two years ago... Some stuff got a little bit out of hand. He was just on the street. Too many people in the industry. I thought, oh, you know, we're not about drunkenness. We're about responsible consumption and having a blast and being sophisticated and and, and it's the best of our industry. And I really saw that again this year. I won't miss it again. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so I'm gonna give you the other side. What you got? A, you got a worst experience? What happened to you at Tales of Cocktail that was bad? Oh goodness. Wait, you mean besides the airport and being delayed, which happens every year? Uh, that's With, no, without this no. delay, we wouldn't be talking, exactly. Francis. That's so. true. Blessing. A little, little uh, yeah, silver lining to the dark clouds that are over D.C. Literal. Um, so I, I would love to answer the uh, worst part of Tails' question, but I feel I would feel remiss not to pass along my best. And the best is, is just this sort of overwhelming uh, uh, sense of responsibility, pride, ownership, and organization on behalf of the CAPS team. Oh, my God, yeah. They were on point this year. Unbelievable. I was a cap in 2010, seven years ago, uh, and I remember it as being one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences of my entire life. Uh, this year, seeing the professionalism and diversity amongst that team, and the way they were led and leading each other, holding themselves accountable individually and as a group, uh, a really, really, truly inspiring experience uh, where every single challenge was met with a positive attitude, a this-can-be-accomplished attitude, uh, I've never seen anything quite like it. Oh, that's, that's glowing, man. And I, uh, I've never been a cat myself, but I kind of agree. I see those guys work really, really hard, 
and the, 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 the burden that those guys shoulder is pretty overwhelming. And again, this year I heard, I haven't seen the final numbers, but I heard it was the largest yet at 35,000. And well, I sent, we sent from stage left in Captain Lombardi, we sent one of our bartenders this year, a young woman named Paige, Paige Wall, and she was the first cap we've ever sent to Tails. Nice. And I, I, I met her for a drink a couple of different nights at the end of her very long days at uh, the Carousel Bar at the Montalion. And she just said it was a really positive experience. So I think we need, you need to send a, sh uh, a kudos to Don Lee for just putting that whole thing together. Every, yeah, every year. Uh, all right, guys. I really appreciate your time hanging out here at the airport. I guess I didn't tell you my worst experience. Oh, yet. okay. We'll get into it. I thought you were going to gloss over it. You, you <laughs> no, not at me. all. Not you tease at me all. and the audience. Well, so we we I, I had the opportunity to moderate one seminar uh, this year and uh, serve as a panelist for two others, um, all of which were spectacular. And uh, the credit is largely due to my co-presenters. One thing that really bummed me out this year is that I shipped this incredibly labor-intensive, complex milk punch, as one would expect, um, from New York last Friday. It arrived in New Orleans on Tuesday. Uh, and as one can imagine, in July, as, as the box uh, goes from New York to New Orleans, it fermented hard. Really, uh, really, 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 really hard. And what started out as being clear and balanced and perfect and nuanced and wonderful ended up being fermented, cloudy, every cork on every bottle that we hand-bottled uh, hand and hand-corked uh, had popped, and we lost at least a quarter, if not two-thirds, almost half of our, of our milk punch. Um, the fact of the matter is, funny enough, uh, that the fermentation actually kind of brought it to life in a unique way huh. um, in terms of its flavor profile and texture. Uh, but obviously, uh, what, what started out as being um, a classic and beautiful milk punch, perfectly clear, ended up being the exact opposite of that. Um, there, there was there was uh, not an issue in the end, but it really bummed me out as somebody who takes milk punch very seriously. I'm sure you still found like a teaching or learning moment out of the out of the situation. Transparency goes a long way in these cir circumstances. Ah, whenever... transparency, like your milk punch. That's oh, right. I like that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I hate to take over your podcast. No, let's uh, do it. Um, so. I think it's really interesting that the king of the clarified milk punch, Eamon Rocky, is here in New Orleans where it's the place of the New Orleans milk punch, which right. is the milky milk punch. Right, what, yeah. what, what, what's your thought on, on, on New Orleans milk punches? I think New Orleans milk punch is fantastic. Um, I dined at Brennan's for breakfast mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a few nights ago, or three days ago, excuse me, uh, and had the most exceptional meal in general. Uh, I think anytime you can have gumbo and turtle soup and crab remoulade uh, for breakfast it's like the right move and it was <laughs> yeah. it was not late it wasn't not brunch. every day though. it was a weekday at 9 a.m. you know yeah. and also in addition to that have a spectacular New Orleans style uh, milk punch wonderful you know I've had a few other milk punches at, at other well regarded um, uh, New Orleans institutions and they have not been as as uh, balanced and and uh, concentrated in flavor. I'll tell you what, at Brennan's, they do it right. I was really impressed. Can I, can I throw one more plug-in for the New Orleans style milk punch? Yeah, do it. French 75 at Arnaud's, they do it. They do, what do you think about that? Are you, have you had theirs? I've, I've not had it. I, always, my, I only get the Sazerac and the, and the namesake French mm -hmm. 75. I've had Sazeracs and sidecars mostly with, with our boy Chris Hanna over, yeah, yeah. over there. Um, but uh, next time I am in New Orleans, I will certainly have a milk punch uh, over there. Other, other interesting anecdote based on my research in milk punches in general, both New Orleans and old school English style clarified, uh, is that the simpler of the two of them, which is decidedly the New York, uh, excuse me, the New Orleans milk punch, uh, was invented well after the far more complex, far more labor intensive and uh, uh, technique 
sophisticated, clarified version. Um, so yeah, people, it's always kind of People fun. glommed on and got lazy. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting lazy, I think we should just relax here at this airport bar and wait for our ever-delayed flight to finally take, us, take off and get us back to New York City. Guys, I'm super happy I ran into you at, uh, at the Louis Armstrong Airport here at Tales of the Cocktail 2017. Thank you so much for being with me. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks Cheers. 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 Thank you again for tuning into Souther Teague's Dispatches from Tales of the Cocktail 2017. And be sure to catch him and Damon back here in the studio again next Wednesday for another episode of The Speakeasy. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load Knows that country music's gonna save your soul The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues That's him It's gonna get you sun in the air Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network Food radio supported by you For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events Subscribe to our newsletter Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.